If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 1. Uh, last week we talked about, we looked at the first three verses and talked about how Jesus is the, uh, the Word of God, the eternal creator of all things. And we talked about how the, the first 18 verses or so here serve as an introduction to John's gospel, but also an introduction to the person and work of Jesus, who he is, what he came to do, where did he come from, those sorts of things. Um, but we always want to, we want to keep in mind of us, especially as we start the study of the entire gospel of John, the reason why John wrote his gospel, which we looked at last week, but I'll read it again for you from John chapter 20 near the end. He says this, it says, uh, John's kind of summarizing his thing, says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But then he says this, he says, but these are written, the things that he wrote are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, that's why we're studying this. That's why we study the Bible. It's why we worship, that we might learn about Jesus, and that by believing in him, having faith in him, that we, by believing we may have life in his name. I'm going to read John uh, chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and just read what we read last week. So we'll read from uh, verse 1 all the way down through verse 5. And today we're going to focus on just verses uh, 4 and 5, but I'll read all of it for you. Uh, this is the very Word of God. Give great attention uh, to the reading of it. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me pray for us. Father, as we come before your word, would you speak to us this morning? Open our hearts and eyes and ears to, to know and see and hear the good news of the gospel in a way that changes us, that helps us to turn from the darkness and walk in the light, because you are light. And you have loved us, uh, primarily in the sending of your Son to die for our sins. Give us faith that we might believe in him, and that by believing in him, we might have life in his name. It's in his name, of course, that we pray. Amen. All right, so we, we come to verse 4 here. The first thing we see is it says that in him, in this word, in the, the one who created all things, who we know is Jesus, because down in verse 14, he's told us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father. So we're talking about, you know, this light and grace and glory that's, that's shared through Jesus. And so here when it says in him was life, uh, we know that it's talking about Jesus. So what, it, what does it mean that in Christ was life? Well, we think about the, the, the concept of life. It's biological and physical and all those things. But as Christ comes into the world, um, we see that the other aspect of our life takes on utmost importance, and that's the spiritual part of our life. And so Jesus comes as the essence, the, the purity of bio, biological and physical life. He was real. He came into time and space as a real person. The Gnostics in this day tried to get around saying that he wasn't really a person because they knew that flesh was evil, that matter was evil, that spiritual things were good. 
And so John here, though, is making the point that in Jesus was life. The life that we need was contained in him. And he was alive. He was living. And he was in flesh when we get to verse 14. We'll we'll come back, circle back around to this uh, in in two weeks when we look at that. But it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He wasn't separate. He was a real man, completely man, completely God, able to, to make atonement for our sins because he was human able to make atonement for our sins and live beyond the grave, resurrect, because he's God. And so Jesus comes. In him was life, biological, physical, and then most importantly, spiritual life. The creating, life-giving, sin-killing, life-sustaining power of God exists perfectly in Jesus Christ, who took on flesh and lived among us. Jesus lived a perfect life walked in perfect life, we might say. And then he gave us the benefits of that life in full. We deserve death. The wages of sin is death for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's us. We deserve death, yet God gives us life that we might live full, abundant, eternal lives, even now in this present age, for him and for his glory. To glorify him and enjoy him forever, our catechism says. You know, it is because life is in Jesus that he can make that atonement for our sins that we're talking about. Because the full life-creating, life-sustaining power resides in Jesus, he's able to overcome death, to rise from the grave. His own death, he overcomes that, but he also overcomes the death that we deserve. And, And because he has conquered the grave, we can have hope that we as well will conquer the grave, that the grave will not hold us. That in Christ we have life, not just abundant and and full life here on earth, but eternal life beyond the grave. That when we die, he's able to resurrect us. We will live with him forever. The one who is the life gave himself over to death that we might live. Verse, uh, the end of verse four says, then him with life, and then it says this, and the life was the light of men. His life is the light that mankind needs to give us hope. You know, if his light is the perfection of holiness, then the darkness of this world must be related to his absence. Light is his presence, then his, the darkness of this world must be his absence. And to the, the presence of sin and the, the road that leads to our destruction, we feel that darkness. The proverb says, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end of that road is death. It is the way of darkness to neglect the path that God has set out for us to follow, the way that Christ demonstrated. The way of Christ is the way of life. It is life and light to all who repent of their sins and trust in Christ alone. You know, light reveals where it's shined. Darkness is all about concealing. Yesterday afternoon, our power went out for a couple of hours. And of course, um, you know, it was... It was, always, it was late in the afternoon, but it was overcast and storming and raining. And so it was just dark and creepy in our house. And I know that because my kids came running to my room where I was at going, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there was a little light, they're searching for flashlights and, and light and power for their devices so they can do things in the dark. You know, but we have this innate sense that darkness is bad, that light is good. Darkness conceals things. Jesus 
lived in the light. Why? He had nothing to conceal. There's no sin and no shame other than what was cast upon him at the cross, but nothing within him to be shameful of. He lived in the light. He had nothing to conceal. And we're to live in the same way, pursuing a life that we would not be ashamed to live fully known, fully in the light. That's the call to live and walk in holiness and righteousness, to keep in step with the Spirit who leads us into, into light. You know, what makes, what makes horror movies and haunted houses so scary? It's that there are things lurking in the darkness, right? There's things that are concealed that may jump out. You ever been to a scary movie and somebody yells, don't go and don't open that door. Because we know, because we've got music that cues us that there's something bad coming, right? But the person in the movie, I don't know, I assume they can't hear that music. They would stop, right? But there's something there that's being concealed and it's almost always in the darkness. The good news of Christmas is that the light of the world has entered into our darkness. Connection, uh, it, the, this is connected to creation here. You know, that, that Christ is the one who made all things. We saw that last week. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. God eliminated the darkness by speaking light into existence. Remember that? But he spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And we pointed out last week, Jesus is the agent of creation. All these things were done through him and by him and for him. Ultimately for us. You know, there are different ways that light works in the dark. Uh, one of the ways that light works is to show us the way. It shines a light onto a path that we are to follow. So if you're walking in the woods, you shine your flashlight on the trail that you're walking that you might get through the darkness safely, right? Well, Jesus does that by living according to the perfect law, therefore setting an example for us to follow and how to love God and love people. We wonder, okay, so we're told that to keep the law is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I wonder what that looks like. Well, we know the law points that out. But we also have an example lived before us. We can study the life of Jesus and go, Jesus is one who has lived that path. He has loved the Lord our God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. And he loved perfectly his neighbor as he loved himself. And so Jesus is also our example. The other thing that, that light does in the dark is it reveals the things that are covered by darkness. Light is more powerful than, than darkness. Uh, if you go into a dark room and light a candle, the light overpowers the darkness. That's what happens. You know, the, the way that physics work, darkness doesn't overcome light in our world. There's theories about black holes that they may swallow light. I don't know. That's beyond my understanding. In this world, when you enter a dark room and you light a candle, the light wins. The light wins. The only way to defeat light is to remove it. The sun goes down, or the candle is blown out, or the light switch is turned off, those sorts of things. And so we ask, what is this darkness in which we live? Well, we need this light to shine. It could be that the darkness is, could be a few different things. It could be that the, the sin in our lives is darkness where we need the light to shine, where we're, we're, maybe we're actively living in darkness, walking in sin, re, rejecting the light. 
choosing darkness over light. Maybe we've embraced sin in some area of our life. We need light to shine on us. You know, it could just be the reality of living in a world tainted by sin. That the darkness of our lives could just be the result of suffering or pain or sorrow or depression, which often is described even in Scripture as a darkness of sorts. But there's brokenness and there's hurt. And so we've got this darkness in our life and we wonder, is there any hope for us in the midst of the darkness? Because in the darkness, there's fear. If I'm living in sin, I should have this fear that God may punish me for my sin. And if I persist in my sin, that's true. The wages of sin is eternal death. But there's also just this fear that the darkness of my life, the sufferings and the pains and the sorrows and the depressions and the brokenness, brokenness and the hurt may never dissipate. And that may be true in this life. But we have hope beyond that, that there's an eternal light that has shined into our darkness and given us a hope, not just for today, but for forever. John 8, 12 says this. It says that Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. You'll never appreciate the light of life until you've experienced the darkness. Realize that there is pain and suffering and, and maybe even the penalty of sin from which we need to be rescued. The reality of darkness is important. It helps us see our need uh, for, for the light. One of my favorite illustrations forever, uh, all time, is one shared um, by Samuel Rutherford. And if you've been here long enough, you've heard me say this, you stay around a little while, you'll hear it again. Um, Samuel Rutherford was a Scottish minister born around the year 1600. Um, he wrote about his, his perspective on suffering when he was in prison. Uh, he was in prison for being a Presbyterian when the Episcopalians took over the churches of Scotland. So you go, well, man, what, what did he do wrong? Uh, what an Episcopalian. There you go. All right. All right. So here's what he said. Remember, he's writing this from prison. He said, if God had told me some time ago that he was about to make me as happy as I could be in this world, and then had told me that he should begin by crippling me in all my limbs and removing from me all my usual sources of enjoyment, I should have thought it a very strange mode of accomplishing his purpose. I love that. A very strange mode of accomplishing his purpose. He says, and yet... How is his wisdom manifest even in this? And then listen to what he says. This is where it becomes relevant for us in, in this passage. <laughs> for if you should see a man shut up in a closed room, idolizing a set of lamps and rejoicing in their light, and you wish to make him truly happy, you would begin by blowing out all his lamps and then throw open the shutters to let in the light of heaven. You get that? The light of heaven, greater than the lamps that we would idolize. You know, we don't like the light when we're living in darkness, even though light is our greatest need. Because of our sinfulness, we often scurry into the dark like mice hiding in the middle of the night. You know, we see police. What's our first instinct? To hit the brakes, even if we're not speeding, because we're afraid of consequences. Unless we're broken down on a, on a dark road, then, man, we would love to see some lights coming, right? Some police lights coming to help us out. And so there's good and bad in the light. The light reveals us, but it also comes to save us. 
We know that God is holy and can't be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we, we fear that God isn't really going to forgive us. That if God really knew us, He would reject us, not accept us. That eventually we would we'll dive so deep in the darkness that God may just leave us there. That's our fear. The good news of the gospel, the good news of Christmas, even we might say, is that God didn't go part way or halfway in solving our problem. He didn't even go 99% of the way in solving our problem. He didn't simply give us advice on how to live better lives to help us figure out how to work our way into heaven. No, God sent His own Son to take our suffering and our sin and our shame and our guilt and our condemnation upon Himself. He took all the wrath that we deserve upon Himself so that we can be accepted by God. That's the hope of Christmas. You know, Advent is about the birth and the second birth, the coming of the Holy One and the coming again of the Holy One. The world is moving to a definite conclusion. Advent reminds us of that, that Christ will return. And when Christ returns, judgment will commence. On that day, there will be no darkness. On that day, everything will be laid bare in the light. And it will be a horrible day for those who have to see their sin compared to the holiness of God and be found in judgment. But, but, for those in Christ, that day will be a day of rejoicing. Because in that day, we will know, we will finally see what our faith has made us hope for. That our sin has been washed away. And we will be found to be as pure as Christ. The light of God's holiness will come upon us and we will be found innocent. Not because we're innocent. Because Christ in our, in our own selves. But because Christ in His love and in His sacrifice and in His gift to us has washed our sins away completely. They are now separated from us. If we are in Christ, our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. The scripture says that God has taken our sin, our guilt, our punishment, our condemnation. Our, well, he's taken our sin first and cast it behind his back, far away, that he might never see it again. No matter which way he turns, that our sin would always be out of his sight forever. And he took our sin, our shame, and our guilt, and he nailed it to the cross where Jesus bled that we might have life. For those of us in Christ, we can actually look forward with great anticipation to the day when Christ will return and take us home to see the light in all of its fullness. Isaiah's prophecy points us to this good news, the good news of Christmas. He says, uh, Isaiah 9 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He's looking forward there. He says, Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. When the people of Israel walked with God in the promise of Abraham that was Jesus who was to come, the light shined on them. 1 John 5, um, 1 John chapter 1, uh, John writes this. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and proclaimed to you, that God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus came so that we could stand in the light without fear, without the fear of condemnation, even if all of our darkest secrets were exposed. What a glorious miracle to be fully known, yet fully loved. Because that's our fear, right? That the people around us would know our deepest secrets. They would know that our character is not what it seems to be in public. They would know that our our, our hearts and our minds are corrupted by sinful and lustful and, and damning thoughts. And yet God knows. And he already knows. It's not like he's going to open the book at the, at the day of judgment and go, oh my, I didn't know that. No, he knows. And yet even while we were still sinners, he demonstrated his love <coughs> by sending Jesus to die for our sins. To die for us. What a glorious thing to be fully known, yet fully loved. My favorite verses in all of Scripture is Luke 12, 32. Here's what it says. Fear not, little flock, little flock. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. His good pleasure? Does He know me? Because oftentimes, I think we picture God as being this all-knowing guy who really sees our sin. And when he really is honest and looking into who we are, he goes, well, I did promise him salvation, so I guess so. Drops of salvation. You know, sprinkling of mercy and grace. No! The Scripture says that there's floods of mercy. Rivers of rejoicing, of joy. For who? Why? Because God, in His good pleasure, gives us the kingdom. His good pleasure. And how does Luke start this? Fear not. Do not fear. We're we're afraid of the darkness. We're also afraid of the light, about what it might expose at times. But he says, fear not, little flock. We're his. We're his people. He is our shepherd. Fear not, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not a spare bedroom in the corner somewhere where he never has to see you. Not out in the slave quarters. You know, not a mat by the front gate where he can throw you some scraps. No, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. You are loved by God because of the atonement. Therefore, because Christ has loved you and died for you, you can love and accept others the same way that God has accepted you. Here's what 1 John 4, 10 and 11 says. He says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. That means he was not just, he was the atonement for our sins. He paid the price for our sins, but he's also the wrath bearer that we need. He didn't just pay for our sins. He also bore all the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sins. He took that upon himself. 
And so if that's true, if Jesus paid for all of our sins and took all of God's wrath, what's left for us? The Father's good pleasure. The Father's good pleasure. And so you're the child of God. And you wonder, does He love me? Even in the midst of your sin. You may wonder, does He love me? And I think 1 John 4 is saying, yes. Even in the midst of your sin. God wants you to be holy. But He loves you. And it's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But 1 John 4 goes beyond that. It says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But then he says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, so we also ought to love one another. Jesus comes not just to give us the power to relate to God, but also to relate to others rightly. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so here's the question for us as we come to the, before this text today. Where's the darkness lurking in our lives? Where do we need to ask God to shine His light on our lives? To bring forgiveness of sins, to bring the power to fight sin that comes from Him by faith. Where do we need mercy and healing where there is suffering? Are we even being honest about these things? Are we trying to shove our sin back in the corner in the darkness? Of course, we only do that so we can bring it out and play with it sometimes, right? But no, God doesn't want us to shove our sin into the darkness. He wants us to shine light on it. Allow Him to shine His light on it. Call it what it is. Sin, shame, guilt, deserving condemnation. And then walk away from it, trusting that He's paid for it. He's taken it upon ourselves. The Word that spoke light into this world of creation loves us and longs to shine His light into our darkness. He's come into this world to make us whole. He's come into this world to give us abundant life. We need to be careful that we don't run from Him in fear, but approach Him with great honesty and our confession of our needs and our brokenness and trust Him to love us as He has promised to love us. Because what did He say? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if we are faithful to confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to love us and forgive us of our sins. For who? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. That's good news to those of us who often find ourselves struggling and stumbling around in the darkness. We need to to keep the good news of Christ coming into the world to ourselves. We need to be constantly remembered. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. When we face temptation and sin, we need to stop and fight to remember that Jesus is better than whatever it is we're embracing. We need to proclaim to our neighbors. We need to share the love of God with those around us. We need to let the world know that there's light, that we don't have to linger and stay in the darkness, but we can walk into the light and be loved. So let's love our neighbors and our families and our enemies even. Let's love them enough this Christmas season to enter into their struggles and their pains and their darkness the way Christ has entered into ours and share the light of heaven with them. 
the good news of the gospel, that salvation and fullness of life can be found in the baby in the manger who died for our sins, died for us, and for our salvation, as the Nicene Creed says. Let me pray for us, and we'll go to the table. Father in heaven, we oftentimes love the darkness, but you are light and life to all who believe. Would you give us faith? Faith to truly believe that you are better, that the light is better than the darkness. And even if we are exposed, God, if we are in Christ and trusting in him alone for our salvation, that that exposure is good for us. Because it shows us that we do need a Savior. And there is the, the Savior that we need is here. You have sent Him into our world. And in Him was life and light to chase away our darkness. But not just to, to chase it into a corner, but to defeat it. To drive it to death. To pay the complete penalty that we owe. God, that's the good news of the Gospel. Would you give us faith to believe it robustly? That it would drive everything in our lives. How we, how we live and work and play. How we love our family and our neighbors and our enemies. That we would be ministers of reconciliation to the ends of the earth. God, make yourself known continually to us. Help us to remember, to not fear. Because we are your little flock and you take great pleasure in giving us the kingdom. And help us share this good news with everyone around us. That the world might not just be mystified by the lights and the decorations and the presents that come with this season. But that they would be enamored with the Savior. Would know you, the one who has loved us perfectly. The one who walked in light without shame, without guilt, without condemnation. But entered into the darkness that we might live forever in the light. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.